Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Home Class Movie Chat. We are so excited for you to be hey, here today. Hun, yes? What? What about the intro music? <gasps> I forgot about that. Here comes the music. everybody welcome back to the home class movie chat we are your host movie superfans cat and paul and we are delighted to have you here today we certainly are and this week we are doing a very interesting movie that uh i'd been dying to see for the longest time i actually went and bought it <laughs> so i could watch it obviously um it would be this... stupid to buy it and never watch it exactly right but this movie was uh, it still gives me the I, i've just got that that little bit of i'd need to know why this is what you know. What really gets me I, uh, really annoyed about this movie. Yeah, I hate prequels that are supposed to give you the backstory that don't actually give you the backstory. Yeah. Now, what movie are we talking about? We are talking about a movie that was re released on August the 19th, 2022. It runs for 99 minutes. It is Orphan First Kill. Which and... the name is even a misnomer because she's obviously killed before she yeah. started. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know whether, and this is why I just, I get annoyed with this movie. I mean, I like the movie. There is a twist at the end that I did not see coming, and it was an amazing twist. I thought to myself, no. I mean, there are some times you can watch a movie and go, here it comes, and there we are. But this Like one I did like, on the first one. Yeah. But the, yeah, because we watched the first Yeah, we one. did a double feature last night because I hadn't seen any of them. So yeah. we watched Orphan, then Orphan First Kill. And 20 minutes into the first one, I had it basically figured out. Yeah. And which is really annoying because of a person, a person like myself who's seen the first one goes, you're not going to, yeah, she guessed it. But this one, I, we're I, both watching I, I watched it. too much <laughs> Law and Order to not get it. I know. But this one I'm watching and I'm like, I did not see that coming. Holy crap. Now, this movie was made for $20 million and the box office taking was $44 million. But remember, you got to halve that in half. So it, was, it made $22 million. So I really got to half made that in half. No, no, no. You got a half the forty-four million in. Yeah, half. I know, but you just said you have to half that in half. No, well, well they, 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 give me, <laughs> they can give me ten million for the hell of, of doing this this review. Now, when I actually went to, wouldn't um, that be nice? Very nice. Now, when I went to the Rotten Tomato score, this was a really well received um, movie. It's got 71 percent on the tomato meter and seventy seven percent audience score. Wow, so it really did very very yeah. well. Uh, well, I I have to. Very, admit, I very, actually think it was a better film than the first one. A lot of the critics are saying the same thing that it really gave you, even though there was that. Okay, so how it still gave you some really great, um, really great backstory, and I really did enjoy that one. So yeah, no, I did like this one. Now, if anyone wants to get in contact with us, you can get to us get in contact with us at hello at homeclassmoviechat.com If you want to send us any movie uh, that you like us to review, suggestions because it would be awesome to do that. But, um, yeah, what did you think of this movie? I actually really liked it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it had some unique plot twists that were quite good. Did you still, are you still that same person like I am saying, but, but how did she get to that point? Okay. Yes. There, I would have liked, and, and it's funny because one of the film's goals was 
it's a prequel to cover up some much criticized plot holes in the first film, which was exactly how did Esther get from Estonia to an American orphanage without having been dropped off by anybody. She wouldn't have had anybody to take her there and, and, and submit her. And as a child, she wouldn't have just shown up on her own, even with forged paperwork, it wouldn't have been simply show up and, and, and do that. Yeah. And, and it, it does give us that idea of like how she gets to America. But all I want to know is how did she get into the asylum to begin with? I was just going to say that Sorry. because when, because it in the first film, we find out that she was in the Sarn Institute, which turns out to be an insane asylum. When yeah. we, when the first kill opens, we are in, we are going into the Sarn Asylum with someone who just got a job there as an art therapist. Mm. And that's where we meet Lena slash Esther for the first time. Yeah. And she, but we never find out why is she there in the first place? They're like, oh, well, she's like one of the most dangerous people in the history of this place but we don't know what's happened to get her there to land her there did she kill her family did you know we don't know yeah but i I, but there was a moment when um she was killing somebody and she came out and she saw that they were still alive and she took a tire iron to them saying oh that's too bad usually it just it takes only takes once yeah it's like it was very hardcore yeah very and as i said they've got some great horror scenes great kill scenes um as very I said, bloody a, there, kill scenes. yeah there is a twist that you don't see coming but we are going to get to it but before we get to that whole thing i think we need to sit down and listen to the trailer so sit back and relax because here is the trailer to orphan first kill what is he doing here we found your daughter she's alive be prepared for changes we have a child therapist that she'll be working with Four years is a long time. What she needs right now is our family. Esther? Sweetheart, it's mommy. Welcome home, Esther. We left it just as it was. It's lovely to be back. I miss my family very much. Our goal here is helping Esther acclimate back into life within the family unit. Sorry. I think something's going on with Esther. Is there anything you want to tell me about your time away? How is that possible? Four years ago, she was still drawing stick figures. Esther's behavior has been so erratic. Hello, Mommy. Thank you, Mommy. I know, Mommy. I did notice some inconsistencies. What are you getting at? To me, it felt like a performance. If you're not Esther, who are you? That's the story of that 
glory now I like the fact that, that the trailer doesn't give a huge amount of of things away I mean I hate it and we were actually watching a trailer the other the other night and it virtually gives you the entire actually no it was the the new Ant-Man movie yeah the new quantum mania quantum mania it gives you the entire movie you know what's going to happen I know well and the guardian the trailer for guardians of the galaxy 3 is even worse yeah you sit there and go oh so that's going to happen it's like yeah what I hate it why are you I hate it that? when they do that oh my god it's annoying but and it's like yeah okay now I don't okay thanks for saving me the 20 bucks I don't have to go see the movie now yeah, exactly right. Now we the movie opens up where we are actually watching this car driving through the the countryside, and it arrives at as you said the San Institute, and we find that it is this woman is a um, art therapist, uh, an art therapist, and I mean, I mean, I know that everyone needs to go needs to have some sort of out time in you know places, but I've been into and I haven't lived in mental institutions. I have been to one <laughs> where I've had to actually go on a couple of occasions to do the, the job that I do. And uh I don't particularly would ever want to live there. So this woman is voluntary. Especially the ones for the criminally insane. Yeah. And those places woman, are terrifying. And this woman is basically being an art therapist to a place that is the kind of criminally insane. So she gets met at the front door by the director and then they she gets taken through um you know, past a lot of the, the cells. And then of course this guy just runs up to her, it runs up to him and says that um, Lena has escaped. We don't know where she is. She's not in her room. So then they enact the red sirens all through the, the uh, establishment trying to find where the hell this woman is. So this guy actually takes her to, takes this woman, this, we don't know who this therapist's name is. Um, we find out later her name's Anna but takes her to her art therapy room and says, listen, stay here. You'll be safe. We're going to close the door. We've got to go and find this <clears throat> this person. And they go running off. So as we're seeing the flashing, And the lights are kind of going on and off. Yeah. So you can't really see the room behind her. My and we look thought, at each other and go, yep, Lena's back there. Yep. And, and sure there enough, she was. there she was sitting in a chair as she was sitting at a table doing some drawing. Now, we, we don't know at this stage that this is Lena. So this... Therapist we just turns. assume because it would be a good good plot point. Yeah, but this therapist turns around and goes, "Oh, uh, hello. Uh, do you, uh, is your mother or father work here?" Because she, she obviously looks like a child. Yeah, and she's like, "No, no, they don't." And so the woman comes over and looks and goes, "Is that is that picture me?" Because she's drawn a very lovely picture, and she's like, "Do you like it?" And she goes, "Wow, it's really really good." And then all of a sudden, the guards burst through the door and goes, "Lena." And of course, she's got this this um pen uh, this pencil in her hand, and she's holding it like she's going to stab this therapist. Yeah, at first I thought it was like um an exacto knife. It looked That's like an exacto knife. Too, to yeah, me. but it was actually a pencil. And when the when the director comes in and goes, Lena, it's, you can see the woman's face like, oh, oh my god, crap. Because because originally when what happens is when the security guard comes over to tell the director that she's escaped this is the guy goes well lena is one of our most violent and aggressive patients here this is why a lot of the the security measures that we've got in order have to be done because she has actually done this she is so dangerous and she's violent, one of the most yeah. she's one of the most dangerous people we've got here so when you hear the guy go lena put it down this woman's face like i have been in this room with a psychopath <laughs> And Lena does. She actually complies very, very easily. She drops the pencil and they grab a hold of her and take her away. And of course, we find out that even though she looks like a 10-year-old child, she's not. She's actually a 31-year-old woman with a rare hormone disorder. And I think it's called hypo... 
typo. It is. Oh, no, I, um, I can always. I can never get that word because he says it so quickly. Yeah, I know. Anyway, it's the, it's the decreased secretion of one or more of the eight hormones normally produced by the pituitary gland at the base of the brain. If there is a decreased secretion of one of the specific pituitary hormones, the condition is known as selective, which is and that gives them the impression that they actually don't grow up. They actually have the dwarfism. And she looks like a, a ten year old. Okay, okay, it to call it dwarfism is incorrect. Yeah, it, it basically turns them into a homunculus, which, if you listen to the Big Bang Theory, <laughs> you know is a perfectly formed miniature person. Yeah, so that's because what we're she gonna... is perfectly proportioned. Yeah, so we'll call Esther um, right now. We're going to call her Lena, um, a homunculus, but I don't think it's really. And try doing it with a straight face, honey. You can't really do it. With a straight face. <laughs> So we've got a security guard and he's sitting at the front gate um, and we've also got a guy in a control room and he's sitting there watching the security cameras and you see that Lena is sitting in her in her room just you know just do, do, you know doodling away right you know making pictures and stuff and I, when I first saw this guy looking at Lena through the security cameras my first thought was oh we've got a pedophile on our hands which we actually find out that he goes into he goes to her um her room. It's, it's like he apparently it, I there think was he does have a thing for her because he, he brought her the ribbons. And he bought her a dress. Yeah. Because he he he's, he gets a parcel that's delivered and he takes it to her, her cell and he he is only able to open up just the little uh, slot the, the little put, slot in the door the where they put their hands out to put the the, the handcuffs. Um, like if they're like if they're taking them somewhere, they have to put their hands out, get the cuffs on them, and yeah. then they'll open the door. Yeah, or they'll slide food in, or other little bits and pieces like that. But it's so that it's to protect the people on the outside. Yeah, so he put he puts the parcel through and he closes it up, and of course, and he's standing there against the door. But you really can see that he's just he's just got that that breathing as if it's like oh yeah. And yeah. so she opens up the parcel and it's a very nice black dress and she says it's it's perfect. And then she then she has got these ribbons and she said, well, I can't put the ribbons on myself. So he puts the ribbons on her wrist. So she puts course, her hands out through the slot and he yeah. puts the ribbons on. But of course, he she wants the ribbon put around her neck. So she says, well, you can come in if you want. And he goes, yeah. That and is we're the just like, mistake. no, don't do it. Don't go in that room. But he, he goes into the room and he's standing there and she comes over with a chair because she's obviously a lot shorter than him. I mean, you know, she is naval height to him. So she's got to get on a chair so she can have her ribbons put on um, around her neck. Of course, it's at this stage that she decides that it's not going to go the way that he thinks. She slams her head. His well, head no, she's wall. like, well, you know, I've got something for you, too. And he oh, moves right. in to kiss her and she grabs his ears and slams his head into the wall and back of him multiple times, finally killing him. Yeah. And grabs the security tag from his, his pants. And now she's able to start escaping through um, the thing. But one thing and goes I in and kills the security feed. So nobody realizes that she's yeah. gone and he's in her room. Now, one thing we did actually forget forget to uh, to touch on is that there is um, at one stage they're doing a a, a project where well, they're actually in the the art supply room and they're doing some art and there is another woman that is highly aggressive and this is when Lena and she's out in the lobby. No, 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 no. She's actually doing the the drawing with Lena, and at one stage she um, there's a security guard that's actually in the room with them and Lena says something to this woman. 
that's right. Do you want um do you want some sweets? And the woman attacks the security guard and they manage to No, grab- she's the one that was out mopping the floor yeah, in the no, in the lobby. Yeah, but before then, you remember she attacks the security guard, they manage to subdue her, and then Lena throws the sweets to the woman. And as they're taking her out, she look uh, Lena looks at the um art therapist and goes, She does that sometimes. Oh, right. Yeah. So we now know that there's something that triggers this woman off. So when Lena is getting to get out of the out of the uh, the um, facility, the security guard is sta- is sitting at the front door and sees Lena coming in. But of course, as Lena presents herself, she's got her hands up with it with some sweets in her hand, and the woman that's highly aggressive that's mopping the floor says, "Oh, do you want some sweets?" And is no, she says state- to that woman. That woman doesn't say anything. Yeah, no, she says to that to that woman, Do you want some sweets? And she attacks the security guard, because we know it's two against one, and this poor security guard's not gonna not gonna win. And no, she he she basically be- literally beats him to a bloody pulp. Yeah. And with as, his own nightstick. Yeah. And as Lena gets towards the front door, she turns around and she goes, Here's the here's the sweets, and throws it to her, this woman that's killing the security guard, and she runs over, grabs the sweets, and starts eating them. That way Lena can get out of the, the establishment. So we now see that she's broken out of the institution uh, you know so now we're in a whole lot of problems now we're seeing that anna <laughs> which we find out is the therapist comes up to, to the director and of course you see this huge blood a blood pile on the floor and she says I and he's thought- like it normally isn't like this and she's like yeah this job isn't for me thanks it, no i'm sorry i would much rather have poverty then deal with this on a day-to-day basis no thank you very and you can see the defeatism in his face like Yep, there goes Damn, another there one. There goes another one. We can't keep them because it really is. There, there is no, there's no idea of what's going to set these these uh, these people off. I mean, they are. I wouldn't want to work there. No, thank you very much. These guys are highly uh, you know, aggressive. So, no thanks. But of course, we see that um, Anna is driving back to her house, and we see that she parks out the front of her house, and she gets out, and she <laughs> she gets out to open up her front door. Her the um the trunk of her car opens up and it's like and I I even said yeah Lena's in there for sure but of course she's not she's not so we see her she's clo- really good at vanishing she's very very good because if you know if you watch it re- very closely Anna puts the key into the front door and goes to turn it and that's when the 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 um trunk opens up she goes over to the trunk and put pushes it down but when she goes back to her front door it's the already front open. door is open. And so she we know, didn't notice. And she didn't notice. So she goes into her apartment. Unfortunately, we see that um, Lena is at the top of the stairs. And Lena walks down. And of course, Anna is trying to plead for her life. And we see that she's beaten with a tire iron, like very, very badly. And now we see that Esther, or sorry, Anna, uh, sorry, Lena right Lena. now, is going through, like she's getting a glass of wine for herself. But she's scrolling through the missing persons file on the computer as far as missing children. And we yeah. find out that she settles on this girl by the name of Esther. And she looks to see if she actually does resemble Esther. And she really does. There is a, a really great camera camera thing that they do where she's holding up. You've got the left-hand side of Esther's face and the right-hand side, she's got a mirror of herself. To see so if she, she can match the picture. Yeah, very, very it's well very done. very clever. Yeah, I really like that part of of the movie. It really shows you that you know the director really had a great idea with regards to that. 
Yeah. Now, I thought it was really interesting as she's going through this, if you're really paying attention. So in the first film from 2009, the original Orphan, when they speak of the fire that Esther survives that is seen at the end of this movie, they refer to the family as the Sullivans. But in this film, the family's name is Albright. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert for anyone that actually was going, ah. Well, yeah, well, th- we uh, well, that's, the, well that's, the, that's the thing is we got into the movie. I looked at you and said, well, we know what's going to happen to this family. And you're like, what? I said, they're going to die in a house fire. You're like, yeah. how do you know? And it's like, well, because they told us in the last movie, in the last one. So really, if you watch orphan number one and then first kill, you're going to know what happens throughout the movie, except the twist at the end, which is so they have awesome. some beautiful twists. They got in- a great twist at the, they actually, they, in, in all honesty, they've got two twists at the end, which is great. Yeah, but there is one major oops that they made. Okay. Is that they say that that Esther is 10 when she goes missing, as as shown in the detective's report. She was missing for four years, so she's supposed to be 14. Oh, yeah. Whereas they keep saying that that Esther is like either between nine and 13. Yeah, which is, in all honesty, she would have been a lot older than, yeah. But then yeah. again, they did say that, you know, she left uh, a little girl and has come back a young lady. So, yeah. But you know, even so, they still have the age off that, they that they're talking about versus the, the written reports. Yeah. So we do see that Esther, as as we said, is looking through the, the missing children's file. She does fall upon this girl by the name of uh, Esther, who went missing in 2003. So she decides that she's going to go and pose as this lost child and she gets dressed up very nicely, you know, nice dress. She's got her ribbons on. And this is when she's walking down the stairs towards the front door. And we see that Anna has been beaten almost to death in a bloody pool. And this is where she, now she'd been smart and she heard as uh, Lena coming, she would have just played dead. Yeah. She would have survived. But as you said, she said, Oh, usually only takes one hit. And Lena hits her at at least two or three more times. Yeah. Just to to finally finish her off. And then so Esther decides that this is a great idea. we got to now say Esther because she's no longer Lena. She's now taken on the personality of Esther. And we now see that she's posing as this lost girl. She's sitting in a park on a, on a swing and she's just sitting there and we see that there's a police officer waiting for the for someone to come and yeah, find her. We see a police, a police officer patrolling through the, um, through the, the um, area. And we see that she, he comes over and he introduces himself and says, well, I'm a, I'm a police officer. And she goes, my name is Esther. And she actually, and he says, where are your parents? And she says, they're in the United States. So I was like, okay. So now we transition over to Darien, Connecticut, where we see wealthy artist Alan Albright and his wife. She's a philanthropist by the name of Tricia. And they've, they've come to terms with the disappearance of their daughter, but they're informed by this detective that Esther has actually been found and she's been living for the last four years in Moscow. And so it's up to now one of the parents to go and reunite with Esther, which we find out Trisha goes over and flies over to pick up um, Esther. Of course, we do see there's a couple of little in couple of little things that little you know, inconsistencies. Yeah, like at one stage that you know, like Esther's sitting, and it's obviously they're very wealthy because they've got a a very nice private jet, and they're sitting, and Trisha's talking to Esther, and going, "Okay, so this is Mummy and Daddy, and this is Daddy, and this is your your brother Gunner, and oh, and this is your grandmother." And she goes, "Oh, I can't wait to meet her." And this is when or to Trisha, see her to see her, and Trisha goes, "Um, well." She's dead. She's dead. And don't you remember? And she goes, Oh, oh, yes, that's right. I need to go to the bathroom. And we see that that um 
<laughs> but as we're going towards they she starts walking towards the front of the aircraft and this is one of the uh one of the stewardesses actually says well no no the, the bathroom's at the back we see that esther takes a bottle of um vodka, vodka. with her. a little mini bottle of vodka <laughs> a little bottle of vodka and goes into the bathroom and basically is talking to herself saying oh my god that's so stupid stupid make, mistake stupid yeah, mistake. stupid mistake but she she swigs the entire vodka is like oh my god but she starts punching the shit out of the walls to the yeah, point she where she punches fits she has yeah. violent fits when she's upset about something and at one and at one stage, one of the stewardesses looked down towards the the back of the aircraft, as if to say, "What the hell is going on there?" Of course, Alina or now Esther opens the doors, and I'm fine, everything's good, and gives a, a sweet little smile. Oh, sweet little smile! And of course, now we see that we're back in the United States, and Trisha Trisha brings Esther home, but they she immediately starts to have some doubts whether she notices that Esther has forgotten about the death of her grandmother, and that she's now suddenly got these amazing painting skills because. Now, remember, the way it was is that she was supposedly being abducted. So what we found out was that Esther had been abducted and had been taken overseas. And now she's got an accent and she's been living over, overseas for the last four years. She was managed to escape. And this is how she was able to be reunited with her parents back in Connecticut. But before she left, she was only really drawing stick figures where now she's almost like an accomplished artist. And she actually, yeah. her father actually says, well, what would you like to do? And she says, or oh, I'd like to paint. And he goes, oh, now he's been so so grief stricken with the fact that she'd been uh, abducted that he he being a very accomplished artist himself had actually decided, I don't want to paint anymore. So it's the first time in four years that he's gone back into his studio and he's sitting there with Esther painting, you know, and of course, you know, as they start to paint, he says, well, what would you like to paint? And she says, well, I want to paint you. And what? And then he goes, "What's your poison?" And she says, "Well, um, he's charcoal. like oils, watercolor. We got it all." And she's and like, she "Ooh, says, charcoal. charcoal." So she, he says, "Well, what?" And she says, "I'd like to like to draw you." So he sits there, and she does within the space of not even ten minutes. Yeah, that's an amazing portrait of this guy, and it's like, holy crap! I yeah, mean, she's they, really she talented, really, really good. She's also a very accomplished pianist as well, which we find out. Um, so Lena, yeah, because the mother um used to play, yeah, and um then when she when their the younger daughter almost died in the pond in back of the house, she basically just gave up her career and decided to stay home and be with the kids. Yeah, that's and right. so she's talking now about teaching again. Yeah, exactly, and so, that's that's actually a key point. It is. So we actually see because that at this point we have heard lena play when she was in anna's apartment but so we know that she can play yeah but nobody but nobody, nobody else, else knows just how wonderful she is as a as a pianist and if you listen to our one of our episodes previous often you'll actually hear about how wonderful she was uh, as far as a piano player so we do see that that um, esther is growing very fond of alan her wait father. a second was it the first or second movie where they taught the the first one was where she's sitting down and she's being shown how to play the piano. That's and right. Sorry, mixing up the, the movies. Yeah, the mother comes in and she's playing Tchaikovsky and she goes, I thought you didn't know how to play. And she said, no, you asked me whether I'd like to learn. You and offered... you, you, it seemed like if you taught me, it would make you really happy. So yeah. I let you. Yeah, but I can actually play the piano very, very well. So, um, but they, the, the father and obviously Esther really start bonding over their painting skills. Um, and of course, she does the thing with Esther is that she starts to try and separate him from Trisha. 
And I'm sorry to say, but as much as the first movie to the second movie, Esther is a great cock block. She really is. So much so that when the first movie, when the two, when the parents are starting to get in it, she happens to always find some way to stop the whole sex routine going. Well, and it's speak- the same way as this one as well. Yeah, well, well, that's her thing is that that comes out in the first film is that she gets into these families as a child and then tries to seduce the father. And then when she can't, she kills everybody. Yeah. And her Bible that she carries has pictures of these men that have been, that are like pictures of them with their wife where she tore the wife out of it. So she just has them. And there was a, I don't know if they originally had planned to use this actor in the prequel, but there's a picture either of him or someone who looks a lot like him in the Bible that the mother pulls out the first time. And then she opens it and she starts going back through it. You see that picture again. And there's like 20 different men in this. And and remember, I turned to you and said, oh, well, there's all of her daddies. Yeah. Which means that in all honesty, this movie is not her first kill. Because if all the guys have rejected her as we go along. Well, even if all of them were in America. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm, I'm guessing some of them probably were in Estonia. Yeah. But it's really interesting because we do see that uh, there's a, uh, you know, when Lena, or sorry, we have to say, keep saying Esther, we've got to start saying Esther. So when Esther um, has been returned and is back to the the family, Trisha decides that well, she needs to take her back to therapy because, you know, because of all the, the problems that she's had with regards to being abducted, we need to go to a therapist. So as we're going to a therapist, she starts to, now this is a therapist that Esther has already seen previously. And really, she's going in blind. She's got no idea what the hell she's supposed to say. But of course, we see that Esther has made a couple of trip ups when she's talking like there's a parrot at the back of the the, of the doctor. And, and as- she calls the parrot Sammy Stanley. or whatever it was. Stanley. Stanley. And Stanley has since passed away and he was a macaw. Yeah. Which is a is- much larger parrot. And this is a regular this is a regular bird or this is a regular parrot. So this is where the therapist like goes, Hmm. So when, and, and it, it, yeah, Esther is very, very smart because she's taken out of the room and now it's Trisha's turn to go into um, the room with the doctor to have a bit of a conversation. And Esther walks around the corner and sees that there is a two way mirror and there's a woman writing down some information, taking the notes on the conversation. The so the doctor doesn't have to. So this is where Esther spills something to make sure that the, the, the observer leaves the room and she turns on the, the, um, like there's a two way with the two way mirror, there's yeah. a, a microphone that she can actually hear. And she turns on and she says, and this doctor is saying to Trisha, yeah, there's some real, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. She's like, well, what do you mean? And she says, well, she called the bird Stanley. Like she already knew what the bird was like. And this is, you know, Stanley's gone. So why would she identify this bird with Stanley when she had already met her over the time that we were together in therapy? And this is when Esther's like, oh shit, I've done the first mistake. (laughs) So instead of getting too much further into the conversation, there was a little boy that was waiting in the waiting room with Esther. And so Esther fakes the fact that this little boy has pushed her down and ripped her dress. And there's this stage that Esther's mother comes out. And and of course the therapist is like, okay, we'll, we'll pick it up next week. So that way it's like, phew, got out of that one. But as we're leaving the therapist's office, we see that Esther happens to spy somebody taking photographs of her. And we don't know who it is until we find out. An Asian gentleman. 
Yeah. And we find out that the following night, Trisha and Alan, they're going to attend a charity gala hosted by Trisha. But of course, the guy who was taking photographs happens to be the detective by the name of Detective Donnan, who was taking the photographs and arrives at the house and says, listen, I'd like to speak to your parents. And of course, you know, the the son Gunner is actually looking after Esther uh, at this at this night, and Gunner's having a bit of a party out there. And I guess it's the the rich and wealthy; they're able to do what they want. So he's you know he's underage, he's drinking beer, he's having he's taking doing marijuana and all that sort of stuff. So when the police officer arrives, he's like, I can smell that marijuana from the from the front of the house, and he goes, Well, come on, you know, just be cool. And he's like, You know, I'll yeah, okay, I'll be cool. That's fine. And he goes, listen, before I, and of course, he, and he says, oh, my parents aren't home. And he says, okay, well, I'll come back later. But before I do, can I just go to the bathroom and use your restroom? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So we find out that uh, in the process of him leaving, he goes up into Esther's room. Now, it's really interesting. He doesn't have a regular flashlight. He actually has one of those blue lights. We don't know why he's got a blue light on his um, on his flashlight. We'll find out in a, in a minute. Yeah, so the whole thing with with this, it's like crazy. So the record that is in Esther's room, she has a little record player set up, is The Glory of Love by Jimmy Durante. Yeah. Which why a child in the 2000, the late. Um, well, this is like, 2007. So. Yeah, it's like, why would a child, I don't know why they'd be listening to somebody from the 1930s. No. But it's the same song that plays over the closing credits in the original Orphan movie, and the one, and it's the song that she kept singing when she was in the bathroom. Now I get it. Yes, there's the little tie-in. Yeah, I couldn't work out why she was singing that song in number one. Now I realize she listened to it ad nauseum. That was the only record that she had in her room. Well, it's not necessarily the only record. It's just the one that was on the thing. Yeah. But taking the record from Esther's room to Dust for Prince is really stupid, especially for a seasoned detective. There would have been so many better items for this. It's completely believable that Esther would have noticed the record missing almost immediately versus like a less conspicuous object. So add to that, the groovy bumpy surface of a record is likely not going to make, keep a print very well versus something like a hairbrush or a drinking glass. Yeah. I, I sort of like, I watched him with his blue light going through the room to try and find out what prints he could lift. And he, obviously he needed something to take with him that was tangible that he could actually get out of the house. Now a hairbrush doesn't necessarily mean that she was the only one brushing her hair because as we saw, her mother was brushing her hair at one stage. Yeah. But it's most likely that it would be her hairbrush and her hair in it and everything else. Um, But there had to have been something better for him to take for that. But I must admit the two prints that he found on the record player was absolutely outstanding because he's going through and he's looking for the, something to take with him. And when he comes onto the record, there is two distinctive fingerprints and it's like, okay, that's it. I can lift the prints off of that. But as you said, it's going to be, it's going to be obvious that it's gone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause she she does go in the back into her room. Right now, at one point, it was the actual Esther's room. So, how is he to determine what's going to be the new Esther versus the old Esther? Thank you. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that one because her prints are all over that room. Yeah. And so, so looking for something like a recently used hairbrush or a water glass would be a much better option because he would have a lot higher probability of it being new Esther. And when you look at it 
in the way that you've actually described if you've taken and he does he takes the record he goes home he dusts for prints he finds the fingerprints he puts it into his his um database and it comes up with a no match but if that if those fingerprints were the real esther which we think that it probably would have been yeah right because she never touched the record she only only touched touched the needle yeah so when he takes that he would have actually done he would have gone through the database it would have come up with Esther. it would have actually come up with the missing girl and he would have gone oh so it is esther yeah it's not lena yeah yeah, see, there's the inconsistency that it, there's the first one that we've tripped over, even by just doing a deep dive. SVU into this movie. to the to, for the win. See, this is this is see, you watch the SVU, you know what's going on. Yeah, but, but he does, he does, he does do the fingerprints, and he does come up with the fact that it, it's just not a match. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, okay, well then, if you're not Esther, then who the hell are you? Because he's he's really got no idea. And as we've now determined, that would have been the match would have been the real Lena. It would it would have been the real Esther? Yeah. So this is this is the problem that we have. So, um, unfortunately, before he manages to find out who the hell um this person is, Lee, uh, I gotta say Esther <laughs> actually followed him back to his house. Yeah. Because he did a search on who he was and where he lived, and so we see that unfortunately, just before he fo- tries to figure out who the hell she is, this is where Esther attacks him and starts beating the. No, she stabbed him. He stabs him. That's right. No, because what happens is he's on his laptop and he's like, "Well, who the hell are you?" And then he gets stabbed in the back. In the back, yeah. And she and and she just keeps stabbing. Yeah. Then she falls down onto the ground, and he turns around and he's looking at at um, Esther, and he says, "You know, who are you?" And before he says, "Who are you?" Now there's a little little thing that we actually find. Trisha has been trying to find something to she wants to read something about esther because she's really not convinced at this stage that this is esther so she opens up the her little bible that she's got and as she's flicking through she sees the san institute on the back but she also sees an address so she gets into the car and she starts driving to this address and we find out that the address is actually the police officer's address that's where esther is in the midst of attacking killing him of the detective so as we are seeing that Esther is about to stab this guy for the final time, we hear some gunshots and we look over and it is actually Trisha. And Trisha is walking into frame and has shot this guy at least half three a dozen, times. Or three times, three yeah. times, and has killed him. And I love the fact that uh, uh, Esther looks at this the woman and goes, Mummy! And she, and she points the gun at Esther and goes, What the fuck are you looking at? And we're like, Oh, my God. And we find out through this conversation that Trisha has been on to Esther all along. And she says, because she, I'm getting to that. She says, so let me get this straight. You're a 31 year old woman. You're not 10. You're a wanted fugitive out of a mental institution. And she says, well, that's okay. It's fine. Mummy will clean up the mess. This is all I ever do. I clean up after clean my up children. After my children. And now, this is when Esther says, you can let me go. And she says, no, because if Esther disappears a second time, there'll be problems like happened with the problem the first time. And Esther's like sitting there going, what? What first time? We find out that the son, Gunnar, was roughhousing with his sister, Esther, 
And this night she went, he, he went a little bit too far and he killed her. Yeah. She accidentally hit her head just right and died. And the only, and as she, as Trisha says, I'm not about to lose my only son to an, or to an accident that was not his fault. So Trisha and Gunnar disposed of Esther's body. Saying she was kidnapped. Yeah. Now, that I was just... the big reveal that I did not see coming. I mean, I didn't see the gunshots of the detective being finished off the first time. That that was the, the first one. But the second one was I did not see the fact that she was cleaning up the mess. That she actually hid her daughter's death. I know. It was like, I mean, she could have just said they were rough housing. They went. To yeah, I get it. But it still risked her son going to jail. Yeah. But I just want to point out a little oopsies on okay. here. Is in the original orphan film, they say that she it comes out that she's actually 33. Because I remember turning to you saying, Oh my god, she's like 30 or something. Mm. And it turned out she was 33. And they're saying that she's 33 31. in this film. No, this one was 31, wasn't it? Even even so, it yeah. was it's it's they made a bit of a topographical error. Well, no, because I'm looking at the trivia saying even though she's a mentally a 33-year-old adult. Oh, uh, hang on. No, wait a minute. We Okay, so this is what we're trying to understand, right? So this is the prequel to Orphan. And right? how and how so, far prequel is it? Okay, so I because right now, what the, Trisha was saying, so let me get this straight. You're a 31-year-old woman, right? So I, I thought okay. she said she was 33. Nope, 31-year-old woman. She she then, with all the end of the movie that we're coming to, she then is taken to an orphanage and she has to be adopted. That means that she would have actually had to stay in the orphanage for two years. When she's adopted and she get and and um Kate gets the phone call from the Sun Institute, she's and the guy says she's not 10, she's a 33-year-old woman. That means that she would have been in the institute in the um orphanage for two years two waiting years. to be adopted. So Which actually not, is not uncommon. It, it's really hard for older children to be adopted. Well, that's exactly what the the the, uh, the nun said. It's very hard to place a older child with an adoptive parents because yeah. they always want they always like, want the babies. Children. It's yeah, like they, how people always want the puppies, not the not the, not the dogs. dogs. Yeah, exactly. So that so that actually stands to reason that that is actually true. Although so, looking at the one snoozing in the back and me adopting an adult dog can be a beautiful thing. Absolutely, Oliver. Oliver dog is. Definitely a wonderful one. He's the one. bestest. Um, so we do find out that you know Trisha and Gunner had covered up the 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 murder um, or the accidental death of Esther without the Alan's real knowledge. Esther. Yeah, with without Alan's knowledge, and of course um, they dispose of the detective's body in a uh, in a, a well in the middle of I guess like a park somewhere. But it yeah. was like the she actually I don't know how it was that she actually had the access to that to that hatch but anyway and i like it how when they throw the body of the detective into the to the well i love how esther looks at uh, trisha and goes the real esther's down there isn't she and she's like don't you ever fucking say that name yeah don't, and she's like okay so as we said as we did say that it's too it would be too suspicious if esther suddenly disappeared again so so they're stuck with each other yeah so trisha does agree to continue with lena's act for for alan's sake and of course you know Esther and Trisha remain on guard with each other because now we know that really in all honesty, they've got something over on each other. I mean, Esther is the daughter. So I mean, what Esther can't go to the father and say, by the way, I'm not Esther. I'm actually, actually Lena. 
the mother can't go to Alan and say, by the way, that's not our daughter. Yeah, because it would all come out. So. Because as as Trisha says, ever since you got back, it's like I've he's got my husband man. back. You know, and it really yeah. is. He's he's now painting again. He's is getting he's getting back into. He has a museum that's interested in having a show with him. Yeah. So really, and and the thing is that he had been throughout the movie when we first see him. He was at one stage before the detective comes to them and says that we've found Esther. You know, yeah. They, he well, they were at their and, son's. Um, was it hot? What was fencing, he playing? Fencing, fencing, fencing yes. match. And she's like, "I really need you here." And he's like, "I was. Didn't you see me? I was just in there." And she's like, "Yeah, you physically." Yeah. And as they're walking out, he starts to become very quiet. And she goes, "Don't go there. Don't go into your head. I need you to be present." And this is where you know, this is where Trisha does say to him, "We have to accept the fact that he's that she's never coming back." And Alan's like, "No." I am not going to accept that. Yeah. She is going to come back. And this is where we see the detective. And then she looks up and sees the detective at the top of the stairs and goes, what the hell's he doing here? Yeah. And this is where we find out that she's been found. So now we realize that there is no, uh, no real Esther. Esther's gone. Now we've got to try and find out how we're going to keep this little ruse going. Oh, so now it starts, as, uh, now it starts to get real because mom decides she doesn't want es Esther around and Esther's decided that she doesn't want the mother, the mother and brother around. around. Yeah, and I love it how. So which happened first, the macaroni or the train? No, this is the uh, this is the macaroni first macaroni, because right. oh. at one at one stage, um, we're seeing that Esther has found a little rat that happens to be visiting her in her bedroom. So and she that, makes friends with it. Yeah. So that because night, why wouldn't you make friends with a rat? It'd be wonderful. So that night she goes down into the um into the the living I was right into the in the dining, dining room, room to have dinner and. We see that the mother is putting something into Lena's or into Esther's food because a couple of times Esther has actually cock blocked both of them from having sex. Yeah. And we see the mother like taking a pill out of a bottle and then opening it up and putting it into the food. She's like, Oh, you're going to sleep so good tonight. Yeah. And the prescription bottle gives a fictitious address in Connecticut, Connecticut, Darien though, being a real town in Connecticut. Yeah, it's on yeah. the Metro North train line front between New Haven and New York city, which is where the museum is that he goes, he goes into the city to talk to the museum. Yeah. But, the, but if you look closely, the zip code on the bottle is from Kansas city, Kansas. How do you get that wrong? When you're doing a movie, if you're going to base it in Connecticut, at least get the zip code, right? Well, I guess they figure people aren't going to look that close because if you're looking that close, then there's something wrong with the movie. Well, how many people now are doing podcasts where we are so hyper-focused on the little small details that I we know, actually right? are hyper-focused on that? So so we see that um, Esther is, is going to start eating her, her dinner. And, and we the first thing I thought was, oh, she's put something in her drink. Yeah. Well, it, it's fact. interesting because she's the mother and, and the mother did this wrong. Yes. She did it absolutely wrong. She made something that was the dad's favorite and then says, well, I know Esther doesn't like this. So I've made your favorite mac and cheese. Yeah. And that's like, well, oh. I'm eating something that nobody else is eating. <laughs> so that's a dead yeah, giveaway. I'm not going to tr trust this. Yeah. So Esther goes, well, I, I, I'm just going to kind of go up to my room. I'm just not hungry. And this is where the mother says, oh, it's okay. You can take that up take with you. Take it with you. Eat in your room. It's yeah. okay. It's and, a, and, like, she's uh -huh. like, and Esther's like, uh-huh. So Esther goes up and immediately she puts it down onto the ground. So the rat 
can have its fill of all the macaroni and cheese. And we find out later that the rodent has actually died from the ingestion of the poison meal that well, was given to Esther. And that's the thing. She only put a sleeping pill in it, but the amount, the the ratio of how much medication to wait for a human, it would have put them to sleep, but it, but it would overdose something yeah. as small as a rat, which is why the rat died. But what I find interesting is the dad comes up to say goodnight and doesn't see the rat with the plate of food sitting right in the middle of the floor. I know. It's pretty obvious. And he walked right past it. Yeah, well, that, that's the same way as the father in the first one didn't realize that the 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 um, hearing aid that was on the the nightstand when Esther takes them away from the little girl, they're not there either. But she but he turns the light off right over. Yeah, and they, we should have seen that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. the fathers in this in this movie aren't the most observant. I've and ever I seen. honestly don't still don't see why she had to take the hearing aids because that was kind of pointless. Well, no, because if you remember that she was that um, she was going to try and do something with the father, right? But if the child, okay, because kids that age, she was like five, yeah. okay, yeah, five or six. Kids at that age, once they're down, they're a down. bomb could go off and they wouldn't wake up. Yeah, so I don't okay? know. Okay, but... especially if she's hard, exceptionally hard of hearing. Yeah, it wouldn't make any because the hearing aids are out. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, the fathers are just not observing. Yeah, that the, was not a good movies. plot point. So now we see the following morning and um, the, the family come down and Esther is cooking breakfast. There, and but has, I made mommy a special treat. Yeah. She has made mommy a a, a nice smoothie. green smoothie. And of course, the, the mother's like, oh, no, it's it's okay. And, I'm and just going to grab some coffee when I go yeah. out. And she's like, but, and of course, the father's like, oh, come on. She's made it special for you. And she's like, um... No, it's okay. And she's like, no, mummy. And of course, the, the father goes, well, I'll drink it. And she and, she, and Esther's like, like, no, no it's, it's for mummy. It's for mummy. So <clears throat> mummy takes <clears throat> me. a sip. Mummy takes a sip. And, and immediately starts to gag because and, she has seen. No, 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 no. Not this stage. She puts it in her mouth and she's like, hmm, looks nice. And turns around and dumps it because she's going to spit it out because she yeah. thinks that and then, she's done and then something. And then she sees the rat the that carcass. was in the middle of it all. The carcass of the rat that's in the smoothie. <laughs> it's that like, is so disgusting. And oh she's like, my. I drank it. And you can tell she's fighting so oh. hard not to vomit. And, and, and she, so was I. And she puts it down the garbage disposal to yeah. get answer of like, well, turn the water on to make sure it won't go Well, down. no, when you run a garbage disposal, you, you have to have run the water, water with it. Otherwise, it jams up the mechanics. I know. I know. My mother and father had a garbage disposal in their house. And, and yeah, we used to do the same thing. Anything I had one the, once. It was awesome. Anything goes down the garbage disposal, you got to run the water too. So yeah. it, was, it was vile. So now we see that Alan is going to the <laughs> city to meet with a potential art uh, gallery that he's going to be um, showing his art to. And at, at the train station, as they're, they're going to be um, waiting for the train, this is where the father says to um, Esther, And this makes no sense. No. The son... You and, wouldn't leave a child alone uh, at, at, at the train station saying, here, go take this down to the platform and I'll meet you down there. You wouldn't do that. Yeah. But as um, the mother and Gunner are actually standing, or Trisha and Gunner are standing at the train, waiting for the train to come, you can see the train coming into the into frame. This is where um, Esther decides to run at them full force and basically try to push them. Yeah, the she's platform. holding his uh, portfolio. Yeah, which is like about it's like I don't a know, it's, it's about two and a half feet long. Yeah, and it would, and if she pushed that against the two of them, she could actually move both of them with it. Yeah. But unfortunately, it doesn't work because she's interrupted by a passing commuter. 
and we find out that and he's like uh, hey be careful you could hurt somebody yeah and, and so she's like damn it that was the idea yep <laughs> so alan goes on the train and i love it how as they as as uh trisha and uh gunner are walking back to the train a bag back to the car with esther it's like oh you tried to fucking kill us huh that's not gonna work well what was interesting was um it's also a foreshadowing for the next film when she pushes the little girl off of the um oh the bridge no the not off of the, the bridge off of the playscape oh yes yes it was off of yeah the, the jungle gym yeah yeah the yeah. playscape and um so they start to go back and because and Lena uh, Esther's like, oh, take me with you, Daddy. Take me with you. And he's like, no, no, no. Your mom wants to spend the day with you, so we're you're going to go with her. And she and she was trying so hard to go with the dad. Yeah, because she knew she, she knew was what screwed. was coming. This because now we're understanding that both Trisha and Gunner know who the hell Esther is. Yeah, because even when Le when um, Trisha does confront Gunner, he's like, okay, so we just have to try and you know deal with the situation. But and and he actually does. Um, make a make a point of going into um esther's room and basically says we're not going to you know, pretend anymore yeah we're not you know we're, i'm not going to pretend you are not my sister and if you don't follow what my what mom's putting down i'll tell i'll kill you just like i did her yeah it's like you little yeah crap so it's at this stage that Lena um, gets into a bit of an argument and a bit of a fight with her mother in the uh, in the train station. Sprays actually um, pepper spray, pepper spray into, into Gunner's, Gunner's eyes and grabs the car keys and runs to the car, jumps into the car and drives off. But unfortunately, she's found by the police. She's yeah. pulled over by the police. But she's as she's driving along, she's got sunglasses on, she's got red lipstick, she's lit a cigarette, and she's just driving along, having a great listening time. Listening to music. Listening to music, but of course the police pull her over. And I like it how when she pulls down the, winds down the window, it's like, um, oh, was I going too fast, officer? <laughs> and I like the <laughs> and police they're like, officer. oh, well, you must be Esther. And she's like, oh, for God's sake. Yep. So I was like, oh, God. So that night, unfortunately, she's brought back to the Albright's house and Trisha and Gunner decide that that's it. We're gonna we're gonna kill her. It we have to get rid of her. I don't know how you're gonna do this one, but we find out that Trisha. Well, tries hold on. Before before we do that, there was actually a little bit of foreshadowing earlier where Gunner was showing his dad his new crossbow. That's right. Yes. And and what a good shot he was with the crossbow. That what that's coming. But and how of course, accurate it is in this stage in this scene, we see that Trisha tries to stage a suicide now. I don't know how you're going to work that one out. Why would why would Esther decide to kill herself? Oh yeah, that's right. She because um, they're going to hold her down, and he, yeah, it, she broke something, and she's holding her, and she's going to use um, a piece of glass to cut her wrist. Yeah, and and she's and she and Trisha's like, well, this is going to be hard on Alan, but at least you came back to us. Yeah, you know, and you know, there's Gunner holding her in a bear hug. And there's Trisha holding her wrist out to try and get to slice yeah. her wrist, which I don't even understand how you're going to even figure this one out. But, you know, but of course, this is where um, Esther does fight back and flees before Gunner throws her down the stairs. And of course, this is when we're, and you said the same thing. As soon as she hit the stairs, you're like, what? Keep watching yeah, her. Do not Keep... take your eyes off of her because of course... he goes to get his mother and say that it was an accident. And she That's goes right, she to does. tell him to clean it up and they go to look and she's gone. Yeah, because that because when she does when he does stand there and he's like, okay, it was an accident. I didn't mean to. The phone rings, and it's Alan, and we find out that Alan has actually had a phone call from the police, and he's like, okay, well, 
what's going on? And she's like, it's okay. Esther's fine. She's home. There was just a bit of trouble. And he goes, okay, well, I'm coming home. And, and she's, she's like, like, no, 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 no stay in the, What about the museum? And he's like, to hell with the museum. I want to come home. Yeah. And then she's like, well, and he goes, it doesn't matter. I'm at, I'm heading to the, tra- I'm almost at the train station now. And she's like, oh, um, okay, well, can you catch a cab? Because I'm sort of tied up with things at the moment at home. And she hangs up the phone. And this is when Gunnar looks at her and goes, um, mom. And they both look down and Esther is gone from the bottom of the stairs. So yep. it's like, okay, this is not going to work out very well. But of course we do see that Trisha and Gunnar are searching um, around the house. Unfortunately, they, 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 or actually it was Gunnar that goes into the studio. The studio. And as they go, as he's going around trying to find her, this is when she turns on the light and she's standing and he's there. being a uh, and he's being a condescending jerk, saying oh. how she's not going to get away with this. And she's basically like, "Want to bet?" And he's like, "Oh, really?" And she pulls up his crossbow. Yeah, and and he's like, "Oh the, shit!" <laughs> crossbows him into the chest, knocking him down, and then she jumps on him and starts stabbing. Oh, him that's right, because he him. had his um, fencing saber with him. Yeah. And she grabs the fencing stab- a saber and starts stabbing him to death. To this Which stage, that didn't well, it quite... wasn't Well, it wasn't long. It was the broken off one that he was, when he was in the tournament, one of the guys actually uh, sliced too hard and broke the... the okay, um... that, thank you. Because yeah. I was like, it's too long. She wouldn't be able to do yeah, that. But if it it's was... broken, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so if you look at how well, the, the, the base of the stem of where, the, where you got the, the handle, yeah. it was only about three inches Oh, okay, that. that makes so, more sense. So, he, that, so that was the one that he was using to um was going to go yeah. and stab her with. So and she, I tell you, once she starts stabbing, she's oh, a stabby little thing. She is so psychopathically aggressive. Because it's like you know, if if let's say three stabs would kill somebody, she's doing like twenty seven. Yeah, she is hardcore. Yeah, she really um, is. This so we, this movie is not for the faint of stomach. No, not at all. So we see that Trish comes into the um, studio and sees that Gunner is dead. And, of course, they start to fight with each other. And, of course, she goes into a, a, a frenzy because her only child is now gone. Yeah. So um, the way it goes is that Esther finds her way into the kitchen and they have a bit of a brawl. She's thrown, poor Esther is once again thrown over the island. Um, and, of course, this is when Trisha goes, okay, I've knocked her out. I can go and finish her off. She goes over to the other she side of the island. She grabs a knife. She's gone. Esther's gone yep. again. And as you said, Esther is really good at disappearing very, very quickly. But we do see that es- uh, that um, Trisha was cooking something on the stove. And as she runs away to try and find where Esther's gone, we start to see a fire. The fire begins in the, the kitchen. In the kitchen. And unfortunately, we see that the fire is taking hold very, very rapidly. And we do see that both Trisha and Esther managed to find their way to the roof to try and get away from the fire. Well, she not really get away from well, the no, fire. Well, no, Esther's trying to get, trying away, to get from... away from the fire. Sure. Trisha is after her. Yeah. So we see that they're both up on, on the roof. And so Alan manages to return home. and But unfortunately, as he's running towards the house, he says to the cab driver, call the fire, call the fire department. Trisha and Lena both slip in that <laughs> way, clinging onto the roof. And of course, so Alan makes his way through the house, goes up onto where they are, and goes onto the roof to try and save both of them. And of course... This is where um, Trish is begging Alan to save save her, and Le- Lena is oh sorry Esther is claiming that Trisha was trying to attack her. Of course, yeah. Trish is trying to claim, trying to reveal the truth about Esther because she's like, okay, I'm going to tell Alan all about it. But unable to save them both, you know, Esther's reaching out for Alan, 
Trisha's reaching out for Alan, saying, I'm about to slip, I'm about to slip. It's not I'm... her, it's not her. But unfortunately, Alan chooses to save Esther instead of saving Trisha. I don't think he actually chose. I think Trisha's hand slipped out of his because no, of her um, greater weight. I don't know how it worked. but I, know I think that... he went to put both hands down, one to either of them, and Trisha slipped. And Trisha falls to her death. Yep. And Esther's the one that he catches and, and drags up onto the onto the roof. Yeah. But I don't and think... then she starts doing the I love you thing. No, no, because what happens is that as as Esther's standing there and Alan's trying to check Lena's face, uh, sorry, trying to check Esther's face to see if she's okay, this is when her false teeth come out. Oh, that's re- right. Revealing that she's actually not Esther at all. Yeah. And this is where Esther Because tries... she had to wear the false teeth because all of her permanent adult teeth wouldn't have come in yet. Yeah. And this is where Esther's trying to defend herself, saying that she did it for them and that she loves Alan and, and only and only for Alan to call her an absolute monster. And yeah. this is where um, Lena, uh, sorry, Esther decides. Well, no, she's she, pretty much Lena again at this yeah. point. So she pushes the uh, poor old Alan off the roof to his death. and Le- this, Right next to his wife. Yeah. And this is where I love it, how the, the whole house is going up in flames. But Esther goes down, dresses herself very nicely. Taking her, her own sweet time. Yeah. The house is up in flames. There's smoke everywhere. And she's walking down to the front door just as the police arrive and the fire brigade arrive. And she finds herself as Esther again. And yep. later, Esther is moved to an orphanage where she waits for a new family to adopt her. And I love it how the psychiatrist and her associate or her assistant is standing there looking through a, a um, two-way mirror, going, "Isn't she lovely? What family wouldn't want to adopt her? Look how look how." And then she gives that little it. smile. Yes, the movie goes black, and that is the end of Orphan First Kill. Okay, so I have a couple of problems with this. Okay, this, these fi- this final scene. Yeah. Because in the first film, we are told that the first family that she's with, that is, we are first told that the family adopted her, Mm -hmm. that it was not their child. Yeah. Okay. And that they all died in a house fire and that Esther barely made it out. Yeah. Okay. The house fire might cover up Gunner. Yes. uh, It might consume him. So it might be. Maybe. You know, maybe, but the other two are outside the house. It would be obvious that they fell. So how, you know, so they were not killed in the fire. Okay. The only, and playing devil's advocate, the only way that I can think of this happening is that Esther, her mother and father went to the, went to the roof to try and escape the, the flames as they were walking along. Trying they to fell. Get out, they slipped and they fell. Possibly. But I, I would, if I were the police, I would view that as suspicious no the one that will actually be the most suspicious i think if it doesn't is gonna yeah because because the arrow if it it, well the arrow first of all but all the stab wounds how you explain that exactly so he was obviously murdered which would then cast doubt on the other two yeah but i think it would be more along the lines of it would fall towards the father or the mother well not just that but if you're in the middle of a fire you don't go up but for, but human reaction would be is if the fire started in the kitchen, you're trying to get away from the fire. So the fire's on the ground floor. You're trying to escape. Right, but, how, but there are three wings of that house. They could have run into one of the other wings and escaped on the ground floor. 
I guess when you're at, at the most vulnerable, you don't think logically, you're just trying to get away from the yeah, fire. Yeah, I, so, I don't know. I just, I, I, if I were the police, I would view yeah, that as suspicious. There is certainly some, some. Especially the fact that the little girl is so calm. She's perfectly dressed. There, you know, there's no soot on her. She's not hysterical from the fire. I would view that as very suspicious. I think you have to stop watching CSI. Never going to happen. You have to stop because there is no way that I can do you in without the police looking at me. Uh huh. You've, you've you got. You would be wise to remember that. I know you've got some some severe. This is more terrifying than my horror crypt. <laughs> I swear to God. No, so what's I'm terrifying a... is the thought that you would think of killing me. No, oh, please, I would not. She cooks too well. <laughs> <laughs> so, on a, a scale lot, of man. zero to five, movie reels zero being how do I get the last. 91 or 99 minutes of my life back however long this movie was 99 minutes to five it was a perfect movie and i would watch it all over again what would we give orphan first kill i would say four and a half yeah i'll actually go along i would give it four and a half movie reels for the home class i would definitely give that four four and a half out of five there there were some glaring errors and issues that honestly if they'd stopped and thought about it for five minutes that would have made more sense the only okay, the only reason that I'm not giving it a five, mm-hmm. I just want to know how she got into the institute. Why did yeah. she get there in the first place? Because if it's called first kill, I want to see the first kill. Yeah, and I know that she's a psychopath. I understand that, but how did she get to that point? I don't how know. Did, she probably killed her family of origin. Yeah, well, I just wanted to find out that. That's the only reason I'm not giving it a five. Yeah, but I, okay. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, this movie. I really did. I'm glad that I actually have got both, yeah, both of them because it is very, very. It's it's just a great movie, and it's not a movie that you're going to sit there and go. I mean, obviously, people that are listening to us now are going to sit here and go, "Oh, so you've spoiled us for us because you're not." Well, you know, unfortunately, this is what the podcast do. We do spoil things. Yeah. But the fact is that those um, little things that we didn't know about, which is the gunner killed the real Esther. And mom um, covered it and, up. And mom coming in, shooting the police officer. I didn't see that coming. And yeah. that's the. That, that was is, a nice twist. That really is a great twist. And that's why I love those sort of movies, that it's not glaringly obvious this is yeah. going to happen. So. Whereas the first one I thought was glaringly obvious. Um. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, and, and as you said, they did leave it open for a third, but because the actress is too old to play that move, that role now, it wouldn't work. Okay, well, let's get into that because I have some trivia around that. Okay, we got some trivia. Okay. Awesome. Let's get some trivia. So this was filmed from November to December 2020. Yep. Isabel Furman, who played Esther, was 23, which makes her closer to the age of Lena, who, the true identity of Esther, than when she appeared in the first film where she had turned 11 during the filming. Given okay. Esther's hormonal hormonal disorder, she's supposed to look like a nine-year-old girl for life, even though she's mentally a 33-year-old adult. Isabel Furman had long since outgrown the role, and as a result, the makeup team and filmmakers had to get creative when making her look nine again, which included the use of world-class makeup and forced perspective. Now, me- meaning the forced perspective, some of the cast were of the same height as Isabel Furman. And while in frame, had to wear tall platform shoes while standing next to her to make her appear shorter, acting as forced perspective. According to director William Brent Bell, they did not use a lot of digital effects to do this, instead using makeup, forced perspective, and a body double for certain shots. So in a 2022 interview with William Brent Bell, he detailed some of the techniques that went into shooting Isabel Furman. He said every shot, no matter how simple, was not simple. 
everything was complex. Everything was a magic trick. And for the actors themselves, they couldn't act a normal way. If they're walking and talking with her, she's probably three steps behind them to make her look small. Forced perspective. Or they're up on a platform or they're wearing Gene Simmons type boots. You know, all these great tricks. Having such a great cast, everybody bought into it. We had three body doubles and Isabel was always off camera anytime we had a body double and was doing the dialogue with the actors as if she was on camera. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Now, the Gene Simmons boots are the seven inch platform demon boots that they wear. on. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. I certainly do. Being a Kiss fan. Okay, let's see if you were paying attention. What's the body count in this movie? In this movie? Yep. Um, so we've got the we've got the the security guard. We have got the um uh, the artist. We have got um the police officer. We've yep. got Gunner. We've got the mother and the father. So that's seven. Did I miss one? Oh, actually, okay. Actually, the um. Did they make a mistake? thing is wrong? It's actually because they said his body count is eight, but it's actually nine because there were two security guards that got killed. The one in her oh, room there was, and there, the one that, in the lobby. That's the, that's right, the one that came into yeah, the room. Yeah, both of you, both of you, you forgot the one. But it's, it's and then it's, so that would actually make it eight. Yeah, eight. but but technically it's nine if you yeah. include the rat. <laughs> you don't include the rat on a on the body. The rat count. matters. Oh Rats my god! Matter. The, this is not rat lives matter. I swear <laughs> to God, this is not the rat lives matter podcast. No, I'm not um, including the rat. I'm going to go with eight. Yeah, eight. I'm, I did. I did seven. I did pretty good, but I forgot the guy in. Yeah, the, you forgot the second. You forgot the one in her room that was trying to seduce her. Yep. Um, two more Which, little in bits. In actual here. fact, I actually thought that he was going in there to have sex with her. He. So did he. And also, I had that really strange feeling that Gunner was going to rape her as well. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I got that too. Yeah, that when he went yeah, into her room he, and he said, uh, playtime's over and I'm not going to pretend anymore. When he yeah. walked over to her, I thought any minute he's going to throw her under the bed and rape her. Yeah, I think she was, was a little. Although, I think that's what that she as well. thought as well. But Isabel Furman, who played Esther, was the film's associate producer. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. This, yeah, that's when you realize that you're actually um, destined for just more than being an actress. Yep. Now, I now this last one I actually thought was kind of a fun piece of trivia. Okay. So when Lena looks through the real Esther's diary, she sees an entry describing how Esther went to see the Broadway show Wicked in New York City. That's right. Julia Stiles, who played Trisha, Esther's mother, previously starred in a completely unrelated 1998 thriller film, also entitled Wicked. Did she? Okay. So we might have to look that one up. We'll have to look that one up. But that's awesome. We got any more fun facts? Nope, that's That's it. it. Awesome. No, I I really, I did enjoy this movie. I, I, as I said, I had um seen the original and i knew that there was they had bought a new like a a new one out and i'm like okay i'm gonna get that to do on my podcast and i just hadn't watched it hadn't watched it and i thought well today's the good idea to watch it so but i do like the uh, the rotten tomato score i think that's really does show you um just how good this movie was and i think she's a a great actress so 70 71 rotten tomato and 77 percent audience score that is brilliant so that was good so we want to thank you for joining us today on the home class movie chat if you're enjoying this podcast please leave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts as that does help raise our ratings in the our our rankings in the uh returns searching the results yeah and if you 
are really enjoying it, which we hope you are, please invite your friends to come and join the conversation. And if you'd like to make a movie suggestion or just comment on the podcast, reach out to us at hello at homeclassmoviechat.com. Awesome. So thank you for joining us today. Not sure what we're doing next time, but in the meantime, we'll see you at the movies. Don't forget your popcorn, drink, and candy. Bye for now. <laughs>